Hey, you're listening to Be Your Best with Phil Haugen, where we explain the methods that help bridge the language barrier between horse and rider. Our goal with each episode is to provide you with the training philosophies that will help you to be your best every day. Hey everybody, thanks for joining me for this week's episode of Be Your Best Horsemanship. This is Phil Haugen coming to you from Weatherford, Oklahoma at our training facility. Today, a couple things I need to talk about. I got a couple messages yesterday from trainers that uh, have been, that are listeners to the podcast and I just kind of wanted to respond to a couple things. The first trainer that had sent a message and, and, and when I get responses back like this, I just, I just want everybody to know how, how much we appreciate it and how much we, you know, welcome the feedback. If there's something that helps, if there's something that, you know, if you have, if you, if you want my opinion on something, you know, and always remember, that's all you're getting is all you're getting is my opinion based off of my experiences and, you know, it, it, it's, it doesn't matter what you're in. You're going to live the whole gamut. It doesn't matter what business there's, there's no perfect deal. There's no, there's no road that never has a bump in it. And, and, you know, that kind of brings me to, to, uh, today's topic. The first trainer that had messaged me, she's, uh, she's an eventing trainer, which is three events. It's a discipline where they train a horse for three events, dressage, cross country, and show jumping. And I know that for a fact because I Googled it to make sure. I was pretty I was pretty sure those were the events. I knew it was dressage and jumping. I didn't know about the I didn't have the cross country part of it. You know, that tells you how much I know about those actual disciplines, which is not much. But at the same time, her response was that she's listened to all the podcasts twice, and though the disciplines are completely different, the philosophy, the training philosophy is very similar. You know, I know from her standpoint, just like from my standpoint, there have been times where I've heard other trainers that have been in this business longer than I have that have way more experience when I hear them talk about a philosophy or a challenge or anything like that that they've faced and it's similar to an experience I had I mean it kind of reassures me that I'm not out on this island all by myself and and you know in the training business and like I said, it doesn't matter if you train for the public or you have your own horses that you're riding for yourself. We're all in the training business. Make, make no doubt about it. When I, when I get a response like that from a trainer, it really that's really the payback for why we do this. Because like I said, this is something that we do every week. And I enjoy doing them because... Sometimes my wife says I like to just listen to myself talk, <laughs> and maybe she's right, but I do like to talk about horses, and, and, you know, I like to share the things I've learned and some of the philosophies that I have and some of the things I've learned from 
challenges and failures. And because even just like yesterday where I had two messages from trainers talking about that, how it, how it helps them that, that, like I said, that's the payback for me. You know, if I can help somebody else a little bit, that, that, that's the payback for me, because here's the thing. I mean, you, you don't get into this business for the money. I mean, you can make a good living doing this. There's no doubt about that. But I'm going to talk about another trainer that messaged me in, in a minute. And, uh, and we'll talk more about this. But when you take this route, when, you know, and, and even though it's a hobby, even though you might consider it a hobby and nothing more than that, it's a hobby that requires a lot of work. It's a hobby that requires effort. It's a hobby that requires thought. You know, it's a hobby that requires implementation of a plan, a system, or or it's going to be a miserable hobby. Tell you one story real quick. You know, I used to feel like early on in my career, and I even felt this like from my parents at times where they'd be looking at me like, uh, when are you, you going to get a job? You know, when, when are you going to get a real job? And, you know, I don't know that they actually ever said that to me. In fact, I know they didn't, but I, I felt it. That was probably self-induced because, you know, you kind of grow up in a world where, yeah, that's not, you know, we're not supposed to be able to make a living doing something we love to do. And that is 100% wrong, 100% wrong. I, I know of a bunch of people that make a living doing what they love to do. And now, has it came easy? You know, maybe, maybe not. It doesn't mean it's got to be miserably hard either. But now there are going to be challenges, you know, and, and that kind of brings me to the second message that I got yesterday. And here again to both of you, and, and I'm not going to say their names just because I haven't talked to them and asked them if that would be okay. I did reply back to both of them and thanked them. And, but uh, the second trainer is, uh, is a trainer that I think is in a very typical position of a person that's in training, that's training horses for the public. And that is they go you go through times of insecurity where you wonder if, am I ever going to make it? Am I a phony? Do I really know what I'm doing? Do I deserve to get paid to ride horses for other people? And, and the answer to that is absolutely you do. You know, he, here's the thing. I look back years ago, like he, like in the early 90s, and this was even prior to me really coming to a point where I made some major changes in my system, in my implementation, in my philosophies. And with that being said, I continue to try to improve daily. I, I'm, not, I'm not at a point where I think I got it all figured out, nor do I ever think I'll have it all figured out because it just you know, we just keep learning. I mean, we're a very progressive society. And, but with this particular trainer, you know, she's, 
she was talking about having, you know, feelings of insecurity of being a phony or, and, and that generates self-inflicted guilt. And, you know, at the same time, she said she's turned down a couple jobs so she could keep doing what she's doing. Well, that right there tells you, you have a passion and you know, whatever you're doing, whatever your passion is, you know, if that's what you get, want to get up and do that day, yes, you have to figure out how to make a living doing it, you know, and you got to figure out what kind of a living you want to live with. You know, I, I know people that have tons of money that are miserable. I know people that have tons of money that are happy. You know, the, the amount of money, that isn't the, the thing that determines your happiness. You know, it's, it's what you're doing and are you fulfilled and what is your purpose? You know, those things I think are what make us happy. And, you know, it's, it's like, you know, and I always talk about, I've got a bunch of good friends that are teachers and they've been great teachers and I know they've put their heart and soul into their career you know I guarantee you for what they got paid to do what they do it wasn't about the money it was about their passion what they did the kids you know it it's it's just like with with horses when you take you know because I remember feeling when I was training horses, I remember that guilt because I felt there was a time in there and we struggled and I'm sure I was pretty tight. Well, I mean, I'm not sure. I know. I mean, I was on the muscle, stressed because I tell you what, I had a lot of self-inflicted guilt that I was because I was chasing my passion, my family was having to suffer. And, and really the suffer, the, the suffering wasn't so much financial. I mean, it, we never did have a lot of money. Don't get me wrong. We lived month to month, but I'm sure there was a time in there where I wasn't too fun to be around. Because when you're dealing with animals that don't speak English all day long, and it's a very physical, very mentally taxing business, uh, I'm sure there were times that uh, I was a little short to be around. I was a little tense. You know, those, when I look, I'll just tell all you trainers out there that are listening, and I've got a, we've got a, quite a few that listen weekly. And, 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 and those of you that are training your own horses, you're not training for the public, but you're still training. You, you know, I'll tell you this, it's uh, that guilt that you put on yourself, or just like somebody that has their own horse and they go do their thing and they feel like they should be doing something with their family and and, and, you know, I get, get all that, that there's a balance in there. You got to figure out that balance, but like for you trainers that are training for the public and you're feeling that uncertainty, that insecurity, that guilt, I mean, you didn't 
pick a profession that's easy. You didn't pick a profession where you can be lazy and get the job done. I mean, because I promise you, every time I have a lazy moment, my horse is reflected because they haven't progressed in their training because I haven't spent the time on them. I mean, our product will tell on us whether we're doing our job or not. The pressure that we put on ourselves from that is is enough without adding the guilt to it. You know, because there was a time in there where I felt I was cheating my family, cheating my customers, cheating every, you know, because there's just not enough of you to go around. But there came a day where I was like, you know what? I'm done beating myself up over this. I mean, I'm doing it to myself. I mean, it was the same way when I was rodeoing. And I'd like to say I know now that if I went back and I had the same opportunities in my career as I did back then, it would be different. I don't know. You know, it might might have been different. You know, I might have made the finals. I might have a little change here or there. Could it have made a big difference? Absolutely. But at the same time, maybe I just lacked talent too. Maybe I was an overachiever for no more talent than I had. <laughs> you know, so there's a, there's a lot of ways to look at that. I mean, but you know, I do know this, that same that same thought process, you know, the, the same guilt that you inflict on yourself, whether you're competing or you're training, you know, that's all self-inflicted. And what happens is, is we feel like we're, you know, sometimes stealing from Peter to pay Paul, which that's a saying my dad always had. And it's pretty true. You know, there's, yeah, I've, I've lived that. You feel like uh, sometimes you're, shorten yourself or shorten your family or shorten your customers and and you get strung so thin that it just you know that it causes some stress in your life well you you just have to take a step back sometimes and tell yourself you know what i'm trying hard i'm working hard if i keep showing up it'll it'll just keep getting better you know, my dad told me, gave me some advice one time. He said, you know, the, when you're training horses for the public, the only, the only guarantee that you can give your customers is that you're going to show up at the barn every day. You're going to show up. You're going to do your job. You're going to try hard. You're going to try to, you know, progress that horse at the speed that that horse is ready for. And you know what? That's got to be good enough. And, and then then you need to get, you know, and, and you have to get paid for your time. You have to get paid for your time because there have been so many times that I've wondered, is there going to be another set of horses come in? You know, I don't know how many times I've told Bridget, you know, this set of horses is about to go home and I don't have those spots full. You know, and here later in the later years, it's been easier. But there was a time in there that here's here's what I stood by. I always told myself, I'm only as good as the last set that goes home. Because, yes, 
in this business you can you know your reputation does help I, I, I absolutely I mean if you have a bad reputation you're not going to survive but if you have a reputation of trying hard you work hard you do your best and then even with that there are some horses it's not that you can't there are some horses that aren't going to turn out like you want them to and it's and it's not that they couldn't get there but in the amount of time allotted by your customer you know your customers can put more money into those horses and still get it back but you, you know you not that long ago you had to be pretty careful about what you put into those horses and because of that there were only a couple disciplines of horses that that really I rode because they were the ones that with the training if they turned out you could actually you know you could make money on them you know and those were just the disciplines that were kind of my niche I mean there are a lot of disciplines out there that you know those horses make money you know as they progress in their training but you know the time thing with your training how much time you know timelines are are our nemesis and when I say that is in our world everything's based on a timeline school our our work day our production everything's based on a timeline and with horses you know I, I've yet to see one have calendar hanging up in their stall I don't I think horses know if it's you know if it's light out or dark out I mean, their bodies change according to the amount of daylight. You know, they get ready for winter, not because they're looking at the calendar. They get ready, their bodies change and get ready for winter because the length of day becomes shorter. There, there's not a timeline for a horse. A horse isn't born thinking, you know, when I go to the trainers in two months, you know, in in. 30 sunrises, I need to be doing this. In 60 sunrises, I need to be doing that. But they're, they're not thinking that way. And, and the other thing is, too, now with, with the, the progression of these horses physically and ability-wise, I think the mental progression is even more challenging than it used to be because, you know, these horses can already do everything we need them to do physically. We just have to progress them mentally and build that, build that confidence through consistency and, and be able to develop those triggers so we can control the reacting side of their brain and bring them back to the thinking side of their brain when, when we ask them for a reactive response like running hard. You know, when you stimulate that flight response, that's a reactive response. When you ask a horse to run for their life, you know, it's just like last night watching San Antonio. You know, those competitors pick any event, any event, breakaway, tie down, bulldog and team rope and barrel racing. When they drop their hand, they're asking them for everything they've got and that's what it takes to be competitive you know and in those horses you know I think sometimes people underestimate what it takes to get the horse to that level because 
it it just takes a tremendous amount of mental progression because not only do you have the run you have all the outside influences the noise the sound the music you know the people takes a tremendous tremendous horse mentally to withstand that and then on top of that we've got of course we've got all that ability but but you know it's all about training that horse's mind to think training that horse's mind to recognize the responses you're asking for the body will follow the body the body does whatever the mind the horse's mind tells it to do so getting back to talking about the two trainers that messaged us yesterday i just uh you know i wanted i wanted to touch on that and i wanted to follow up on that because i know there we get you know i get a message or two you know usually every week sometimes every other week on that and i know a lot of people listen and they never respond back and but we do get a lot of feedback from some and and you know we just i just want you to know all of you out there in that in that situation that have those feelings understand everybody in our business does you know I, i've talked about this before and 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 i know he wouldn't care that that i talk about this but you know i was on a on a on a morning call with a, a group of trainers and and men and and uh, chris cox is on there and chris talked about the same thing you know wondering if he was going to make it wondering if he was going to you know at times thought about going back to australia and i mean you're you're talking about you know an ultra ultra successful horseman and everybody's got those stories you know i this kind of sums it up you know how how would you like to be my wife and for we've been married 31 years be 32 in august and really and truly she's never known one month to the next exactly what our income would be i'll be honest with you i mean you know as a dad you know i I look back and i think about her folks and you know they had to have had times where they thought holy crap what's she getting into (laughs) you know and, and and you know i'll tell you what rightfully so because now looking back i'm i'm kind of like wow i can't believe we did make it through all that but but at the time i wasn't thinking about long term i was just thinking about the moment and the next month and this month and you know and i think that's the way if you get to looking too far ahead you you know in in some respects i mean take take care of your business at hand and i and the rest will take care of yourself care of itself you know i had some really good advice one time and a guy told me i don't care what business you're in you you'll survive on return business and referrals if you don't have return business and referral business you will not have a business long term and 
You know, that's very true. Very true statement. So take care of the job at hand. The rest will take care of itself. And, and here again, going back to all of us out there, get in the habit of not beating yourself up or inflicting that self-induced pressure. Because you know what? We're trying hard. We're doing the best we can. We have a growth mindset. We're trying to learn. You know what? That's all you can ask of yourself. That's all you can ask of yourself. So anyway, I got to wrap this up. You know, I, I don't know if that helps anybody or not, but I just wanted to, I just wanted to make some comments on that today and share that with you. And, you know, I tell you what, just, just keep grinding, keep grinding, have a great week of training. God bless. And as always today and every day, be your best. Hey, thanks for joining us on today's show. To learn more about the training program that inspired the Be Your Best podcast, head over to philhagenhorsemanship.com and join our online community by following us at philhagenhorsemanship on Facebook or Instagram. This is where we're going to be sharing tons of training tips and information about how you can experience our Training Through Understanding program at one of our upcoming clinics. As you go through the day today, I want to encourage you to figure out one thing you can do to get 1% better, whether that is in your horsemanship journey, your career, or your personal life. Own it and be your best. God bless and have a great day of training.